Hello, this is Michael Beller from The Athletic. Before beginning this episode of The Athletic's Fantasy Baseball Podcast, we wanted to note that these interviews took place before the COVID-19 outbreak forced MLB to delay the start of the 2020 season. We've edited out parts of the interviews that were rendered moot and believe you will still find them useful as you prepare for your fantasy drafts and auctions. Enjoy, and thanks for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the AL West edition of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast Tour with our beat writers in the AL West. Where else could we possibly start? Of course, it's going to be with the three-time defending division champions who have been in the news a little bit this offseason, the Houston Astros, welcoming on our Astros beat reporter, Jake Kaplan. Jake, thanks for joining us here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Michael. All right. Well, the Astros. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna move past what uh, has been dominating this team's offseason and get a little bit more into the weeds and talk about things happening on the fringes of the starting roster. Unlike some other teams, this team has two more traditional position battles happening in spring: out in right field and in the fifth spot for the starting rotation. Want to start with that outfield one because that one carries a little bit more weight in the fantasy world. We've got the veteran Josh Reddick, the youngster. Kyle Tucker, how is that one shaping up thus far? Yeah, it seems still pretty open uh, between the two of them. It's, you know, with Reddick, it's his final year of his uh, four-year $52 million contract he signed, so he's he's still owed $13 million this season. Tucker finally has graduated from his prospect status. It seems like he was on those top 100 prospect lists for five years, but um you know, it's still he still has a lot to prove as a major leaguer hasn't hasn't done it over a sustained period, um, so it's it's really uh, I could see it being one of those things where both guys split time early in the year and and the Astros kind of give them a chance one of them a chance to win the job uh, by outperforming the other, but um, I'm not sure it's going to be at least early in the year a a situation where one guy plays every single day and the other guy just rides the bench. Yeah, that uh, anticipatory of my next question. Do you think it could eventually develop into one? And if you were going to bet on one guy, is there anyone who's emerging as a favorite? Or does it feel like the situation where they're going to be sharing that position for the line share of the season? Yeah, I don't think there's really a favorite. Uh, I do think they're going to share it. I don't know if the whole season, but um, you know, you can only learn so much from spring training. And so uh, I'm not sure handing one the job based off spring training is is the way to go. I think you you kind of have to let them play it out in the regular season. Um, given that they're both hit left-handed, you can't platoon them. So um, you know it, it's going to be interesting to see how they divvy it up. But I would suspect that at least early in the year um, there's a split there, and and maybe one outperforms the other, but maybe not. Maybe that that continues throughout the whole season. Yeah, potentially not a lot of at-bats to find these guys elsewhere, excuse me, with most of the rest of the roster seemingly locked in. One of the teams that really does have a pretty strongly default lineup. Uh, How about in the rotation? Josh James, a guy who is well-known to fantasy players near and far. And then Austin Pruitt, a guy who uh, not quite as known. Those two guys battling out for the fifth spot. We know Verlander, Grinky, McCullers, and Urquidy got those first four spots locked up. But the fifth spot still up for grabs. How do you handicap that one? That's another one that, that it looks to be pretty open. Um, you know, at times I've thought it's going to be Pruitt. At times I've thought it's going to be James. 
Um, I think that one could come down to the final days before rosters need to be set. Uh, James definitely has more upside. Um, you know, power pitcher uh, who's done it in the past in the minors as a starter. Uh, but last year, as a reliever, really struggled to consistently repeat his delivery, to stay healthy, and to throw enough strikes. So that those are all things you need to do if you want to be a starter. He's looked really good so far in spring, though, after working um, you know, with, with pitching coach Brent Strom to refine his delivery. And then Pruitt's a guy uh, from the Rays who the, the Astros think they can get more out of, uh, has traditionally been kind of a, a, a reliever or bulk pitcher behind an opener, but... Um, they think there's a chance that he can be a starter. Um, if not, he'll be their long man in the pen because he's out of minor league options. But, um, you know, those are those are the two primary candidates there. Framber Valdez, another guy who's been around, kind of has an outside shot at it, I think. Um, and it's probably going to be one of those situations where the Astros cycle through a lot of back-end starters this year, similar to last year. But, um, you know, as far as opening day, I think it's it's pretty even right now between James and Pruitt. James is a guy who's getting drafted in fantasy leagues as a uh, you know long shot end game option because of the upside because of uh, the the offense that he's attached to. There's obviously some uh, some win upside uh, with Josh James, assuming that he can get that fifth spot. Uh, Austin Pruitt, even if he wins it, probably not going to be a fantasy guy right off the bat. So looking at James, how has he looked to you this spring? Really strong. Yeah, he's he's looked really good. Looks um, throwing more strikes than than last year. Um, you know, said he f- says he feels as good as he's felt in a long time, and you know he just he looks he looks the part I think. Um, but it's also early, and spring training can it, can be misleading at points. So, um, you know, it's gonna we're not gonna really know until he's built up to four innings, five innings if he gets to that point. Um, you know, but uh early early as it's probably gone as well as the Astros could have hoped for him as they he you know it's not an easy transition from a full season of relief back to the rotation that's Jake Kaplan Astros beat writer check him out at the athletic Houston Jake thanks for joining us here thank you moving right along in the AL West we move on to the Oakland A's and to do that we bring on our A's beat writer Alex Coffey Alex thanks for taking the time to speak with us about the A's today yeah of course happy to be here so uh, you are actually the uh, last beat writer who I've talked to for this project. So uh, a few things on that. First of all, most of the most of the beat writers when I did talk with them was before MLB and the entire sports world at large shut down uh, because of the coronavirus outbreak. You're one of the few who I'm talking to after that. So we do have a little bit more perspective based on that. And when the season is going to start, um, the A's, however, are one of these teams that whether this te- the the season was going to start on time or whatever it's going to be now, uh, didn't really have a whole lot of position battle intrigue, especially position battle intrigue that is relevant to the fantasy baseball world to talk about. One thing that is in play now is AJ Puck potentially being able to start the season healthy and in the rotation right from the get-go, given the delay. Where were things with Puck when spring training shut down, and do you think we ultimately see him in this rotation when our new opening day does arrive? Yeah, so Puck was shut down with some shoulder soreness um, a couple weeks ago, and he had just begun, he had just started throwing right before MLB had shut everything down due to um, in an attempt to like contain um the spread of the coronavirus. So um, 
So presumably this time that, you know, obviously we're not sure when the season is going to get underway. Um, this time could be used for him to recover and rehab and, you know, he can kind of use it to get his body right. Um, a lot of unknowns right now, but, um, but yeah, he had started throwing right before MLB um, canceled the spring training games. So that was kind of where he was at at that point. Let's say uh, there's a ton of unknowns of what his health is, when the season is going to start, if this season is going to start. But let's just say <laughs> that he is healthy, good to go when the season does begin. Is he for sure in the rotation under those circumstances? Or is there any way that they would think about starting him out in the bullpen? I'd say he's for sure in the rotation. They've been talking about him as a rotation member all spring at the end of last season too. So, um, so I would say, yeah, definitely assume that he's part of the rotation. Um, they have said that they wanted to ease both him and Luzar uh, Jesus Lazardo, um, put them on some innings limits, but they haven't said exactly what those innings limits are. Um, and I don't know if, you know, an abbreviated season would affect that. So obviously, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of variables, but, um, but yeah, I would definitely say, He's in the rotation. Yeah, a lot of variables. AJ Puck's health, something to watch as much as we can over the next couple of months as we wait for baseball to return. Um, you know, we talk about there not being a ton of position battle intrigue. Uh, this is a team that uh, around the diamond, but uh, defensively, it is pretty well set and in the order. Pretty well set, too, all the way one through nine. If we were going to look at any sort of position battle for this team, it would be at second base, and it would maybe even be on the short side of, of a platoon. We know Tony Kemp is going to be uh, in the second base mix as a left-handed bat, likely in there against right-handed pitchers. But because of how this team sets up, potentially the short side of the platoon could be fantasy relevant. How was that shaking out in spring? The A's kind of have an interesting position battle at second base with um, Franklin Mateo and Jorge, or Franklin Barreto and Jorge Mateo kind of rising above the other candidates. Um, they both profile kind of similarly, both guys that are out of options, um, both guys that are speed first, which Melvin has said that he likes to kind of offset a power heavy lineup. Um, Barreto has had a little bit of has seen a little bit of major league playing time, but no extended stints. Uh, Mateo would be making his major league debut. Um, they both leave a little bit to be desired in terms of plate discipline, which is something that the A's really prioritize. But have also both improved during the spring, so it's honestly a race that's kind of neck and neck right now. Um, and the A's are looking at those two candidates as guys that could platoon with Tony Kemp who could be slotted into play left field um, as well as second base. So that's kind of an intriguing, uh, intriguing position battle right now. It's a fun team. It's a fantasy-relevant team. It's a team that we know quite a bit about going into the season. So maybe the position battles aren't really where this team is going to factor into the fantasy world, but certainly one that we're going to be talking about from this perspective quite a bit all season, fingers crossed that we do indeed have a season. That is Alex Coffey. You can check out her work at the Athletic Bay Area, the Athletic MLB, and also follow her on Twitter at ByAlexCoffey. That's Coffey, C-O-F-F-E-Y. Alex, thanks so much for taking the time today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Next up in the AL West is the Los Angeles Angels. A little bit of a tongue twister there. To talk about the Angels, we bring on our Angels beat writer, Fabian Ardaya. Fabian, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, of course. We have plenty of time right now. Yeah, exactly. We uh, we've we've been going through this position 
battle miniseries uh, through each division. And uh, we conducted most of these interviews uh, before a COVID-19 outbreak uh, spread to every corner of the world, seemingly, and uh, before Major League Baseball suspended its season indefinitely. We know that the season's not going to be back or not going to be starting until mid to late May at the absolute earliest. You're actually the first person who I've talked to for this miniseries since that delay took place, so we can look at it in a little bit of a different lens when we're talking about the Angels. Uh, The first person who I want to talk about here, though, was going to be in a position battle uh, no matter when the season started, and that's David Fletcher, a guy who opened a lot of eyes for the Angels last season. He's a versatile piece. He can play in multiple positions. We know how much Joe Madden likes having someone like that going all the way back to his days with Ben Zobrist in Tampa, and then, hey, through his days with Ben Zobrist in Chicago. Uh, can Fletcher be that guy? Is that how they're looking at him, and how often should we expect to see him out there for this team? It really seems that way. I know uh, Joe Madden hasn't had a lot of familiarity with David Fletcher, but every single time you ask about him, he just loves him. And it sounds like he's going to be an everyday guy. It's just a matter of where it's going to be. Uh, It'll primarily be in right field, it sounds like. But, I mean, he has experience in left. Obviously, he can play second, short, uh, third base. And he actually, I think it was like the second to last uh, spring training game before everything got shut down. He actually played a couple innings in center field. So, I mean... It seems like they're just going to try him everywhere and have him play all kinds of different spots because they think he's that valuable. That's sort of what he's going to be. I mean, he'll be mostly right field, uh, covering some second base for Listella, maybe against a tough lefty, uh, even though Listella's been pretty good against lefties in his career. But, it, I mean, it sounds like he's going to be an everyday guy. It's just a matter of what position they put him at. Yeah, Lestella and Joe Madden have their history, too, going back to uh, their shared days with the Cubs. Uh, Fletcher, though, can be that piece for this team. I'm wondering when Shohei Otani uh, is back in the rotation, which now could be at the very start of the season, uh, is that another way to get his bat in the lineup? You're going to have seemingly the DH spot open once a week, every week. Is Fletcher a guy who could factor into that mix, or should we, we be looking at other players for that spot? I think we'd probably look for other players primarily at that spot. I would look more at sort of like an Albert Pujols. Obviously, you want to get him off his feet whenever you can, especially with him playing a lot of first base for the second year in a row, uh, and especially also because they have a, a good option at first base for those days when he is DHing and Matt Theis or Jared Walsh. Um, Justin Upton could be a guy who you could see get a couple of DH days here and there, and then that will help get Fletcher in the lineup a little bit more in left field, and obviously you're going to try to get Mike Trout off his feet a couple times a year at DH, even though he doesn't love doing it. It's just a way to get him off his feet. So, I mean, you'll see some other guys get some DH at-bats, maybe Anthony Rendon on a spare day, uh, guys like that. But, I mean, I, I can see mostly it'll be Albert Pujols probably at DH on days when Shohei Otani is on the mound or when he's off. All right, well, let's talk about those days when Shohei Otani is on the mound. Uh, This uh, was a guy who was uh, targeting a mid-May return to the mound. Of course, he was going to be in the lineup, uh, hitting cleanup uh, when he was uh, right from the get-go, but with the season delayed uh, to mid-May at the very earliest, that could be coinciding with when Otani ultimately is ready to start throwing again. Now, with the season pushed back the way it is, uh, do you have any read just yet on if the Angels are going to be changing their plans for Otani, or is this going to be something where we do end up seeing him in the rotation right away from whatever opening day ends up being? I think it's going to depend on how many games the season winds up being. Um, He hasn't been shut down from throwing yet, uh, and really what could have happened is he finished his throwing progression in December. He could have, if they really wanted to push it, he could have been ready for opening day this year. 
Uh, it was just a matter of sort of limiting his innings from the front end as opposed to from the back end. So if it winds up being in a bridge season, if they wind up just picking up the season, say, June 1st, and say that they're going to play the rest of the games from there on out, I could see Otani just being there right at the beginning of the season and pitching a full season if he remains healthy. And I think that's sort of what the ideal plan is. He's healthy, he's throwing, and he was throwing bullpens. He was throwing bullpens the day everything got shut down. So, I mean, the plan, I think, if it's in a bridge season, would be for him basically to start the season as if it was the start of 2018, just maybe a little bit more mindful of what his innings total winds up being. Man, whenever the season does start, going to be fascinating to see what sort of season he can put together. We know what he can do with the bat. We know what he can do on the mound. It'd be great if he could do both in the same season right here in 2020. One more thing I want to talk to you about before letting you go. It's the closer position. We know Hansel Robles enters the season as uh, the closer for this team. you got a few other options uh, who could potentially close, uh, whether it be in a pinch or whether it be Robles struggling at some time, but entering the season. Is this a firm hold that Robles has on the ninth inning? It sounds like it. Uh, based off everything that Joe Madden has been saying, is it, it's going to be his job. Uh, that's sort of where he's sort of allowed his personality to uh, sort of be itself. And also because they have other options that are possibly better suited for those higher leverage innings in the seventh or eighth innings if there's tough situations. I mean, Ty Butchery was lights out in that role in the first half of last season. He fell off a little bit last year. Uh, said he sort of got into some pitch tipping habits, uh, didn't use his changeup nearly enough. Uh, and those are both things he said he was working on a lot this uh, going into the spring. I know he dealt with a little bit of injury, but he's he sort of is back. And obviously having a delayed start of the season will help him be fully back. And obviously Keenan Milton is the guy who I think everyone's sort of looking to as that second closer option, just mostly because he's done it before. He was in that role before he had Tommy John surgery. And now, I mean, it seems like his velocity is back to where it was or close to where it was pre-injury. I think he was 96, 97 in some of those spring outings. And if he's able to do that and throw strikes, I mean, he's a guy that seems like a perfect back-end, back-end option, whether it be in the closers role or being that sort of high-leverage guy similar to Butchery. All right, that's Fabian Ardaya. Check out his work at The Athletic Los Angeles, The Athletic MLB, and you can also check him out on Twitter at Fabian Ardaya, F-A-B-I-A-N-A-R-D-A-Y-A. Fabian, thanks again for joining us here today. Thanks for having me. Continuing on in the AL West, we now turn our attention to the Texas Rangers, and to do that, we bring on our Rangers beat writer, Levi Weaver. Let's start with the one that we expected. Over at first base, a couple of guys vying for uh, the starting gig there. We've got Ronald Guzman and Greg Bird. Either one, one no matter who wins it, uh, the winner's going to be fantasy relevant. Even the backup could end up being fantasy relevant, depending on how they deploy these two. Uh, How's the battle shaking out to your eyes thus far? Yeah, I mean, neither guy has really come into camp and just uh, absolutely forced the team's hand. Um, Bird has looked, uh, you know, Woodward said that, uh, manager Chris Woodward, he said that uh, he was a little surprised by Bird's defense. It was better than he expected, so point to Bird on that one. Um, He's also been hitting the ball really well. Like, this is one of those things that's not showing up on the stat sheet. Like, he's gotten robbed on a number of occasions. He's had some pretty bad luck where he is actually hitting the ball pretty well, but then his batting average is like 100 for the spring. Um, that's the danger of, I guess, small sample sizes. So I I think probably more than any um, 
any performance uh, aspect is probably a contract aspect and that Greg Bird could opt out. Uh, he has a deal that if he doesn't make the big league club, he can opt out and become a free agent. Ronald Guzman uh, has has option years on his contract, so he could be sent to AAA and the team could keep both of them in the organization, which I think they would like to do. So if there's one factor I think right now that is causing me to lean one way or the other, I would say probably the contract aspect is a bigger factor than anything else. Um, I mean, the Rangers thought they had their first baseman of the future with, with Ronald Guzman in 2018. And, and just last year, he had a, a really difficult time adjusting to some of the, the, the things that this, the hitting coaches were asking him to do. And he had a good September, had a really good offseason and kind of expected to come in and go ahead and take that next step forward. And he hasn't been bad, but he just it just hasn't been enough where he's shown that he's definitely the guy and Greg Bird is definitely not. So um, the the... One thing that Chris Woodward said is he doesn't want to wait until the last day to make that decision. He said he doesn't want to have a guy having to switch his mentality at the last minute from fighting for a job to like, oh, okay, well, now I'm the first baseman. And by the way, that starts today. Top of this order, pretty well locked in. One guy who I want to discuss was Danny Santana, someone who bounced all over the diamond for uh, this team last year. Have to imagine he's a little bit more locked into a specific position this year, but either way, can we count on Danny Santana being mostly an everyday player for this team, be it center field, maybe he works in at first base again this season, just wherever it is, the bat will be in there? Yeah, I mean, if if he does this year what he did last year, then absolutely that's going to be the case. Um, I, I think the big question with him is that was quite a breakout year after a lot of years of not breaking out, and is that something that he can repeat? But yeah, if so, they're definitely going to keep him in the lineup. Um, one of the things that they have talked about doing is possibly putting Nick Solak in center field and letting Danny Santana be a guy that kind of is an everyday player, but maybe plays a different position every day because he can play you know, anywhere on the field. Um, that seems to have lost a little bit of steam in the last 24 hours especially, but also um, also with the... the incredibly hot summer that Isaiah Kiner Falefa is having and they're gonna have to find a way to get him some at bats which is kind of uh, I don't want to say completely unexpected but a nice surprise for a guy that didn't hit very well last year as he was trying to transition to catcher but now he's he's got an entire offseason to get in shape and get his body back to where he likes it he's a, a, a an above average defender just about anywhere on the field but he's already got four home runs this spring he's got an OPS of over 1200 he like he he came prepared. He's having the spring that I think maybe Ronald Guzman wishes he was having. And uh, they're going to have to find a place to play him every day, too. So, so yeah, all of that to say, yes, Danny Santana will play every day for as long as he is as productive as he was last year, whether that's in center field or in a, in a uh, utility room. All right, that's Levi Weaver from the Rangers. You can check him out, of course, all over the Athletic MLB and at the Athletic Dallas and also on Twitter at 3 2 Ephus, Levi, thanks again for taking the time with us today. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Let's wrap things up now in the AL West. To do that, we move on to Seattle and bring on our Mariners beat writer, Corey Brock. Corey, thanks for taking some time to talk with us today. Yeah, thanks for reaching out, Michael. I appreciate it. 
And, uh, Corey, people who have uh, been listening to this uh, little position battle mini-series that we've been doing on our Fantasy Baseball podcast know that uh, most of these interviews happened before uh, the COVID-19 outbreak uh, put a huge delay uh, on the MLB season. You are one of the few uh, who I'm talking to after that, so we have a little bit more perspective than we've been able to have with some of our other beat writers. But we're going to treat this uh, as though uh, things uh, pick up where they left off for these teams. And you actually uh, helped us out quite a bit by uh, putting together a little piece on uh, what you learned in spring training uh, with the Mariners this year. So what did you learn and what can we expect from this team and how this team is going to look one through nine and on the diamond once the season finally does start? Well, you know, for a lot of teams, I think spring training is a, a time where there are a lot of position battles, a lot of questions that need to be answered. Um, maybe some players who are on the bubble and making it or are not some notable guys uh, with the Mariners. It's not quite any of that, you know, and that's uh, sort of the situation they're in, in year two of their rebuild. They pretty much uh, went into camp in February, uh, knowing that all, just about all the position players were kind of locked in, except with maybe, um, you know, some utility guys, um, breaking in a new second baseman and some bullpen jobs. So really the Mariners situation in 2020, and they've been very transparent about this, you know, they're not going to be contending this year. This year is an evaluation period to look at a lot of these young guys who they hope are going to be kind of key cogs for them moving into 2021, which is sort of the time the organization is earmarked for uh, returning to competitiveness. So, um, you know, the shortened season, I think, um, sort of changes the uh, algorithm, I think, in, in a sense of uh, what the roster may look like when we may see some of these young players. Um, so that remains to be seen. But yeah, the 2020 is all about, uh, all about evaluation for the Mariners. You, you, when you say that, actually, the first person who jumps out to me that I think about is not one of the young guys. It's one of the older guys, one of the veterans, and that's D. Gordon. D. Gordon obviously has his fleas as both a real-life player and a fantasy player, but the dude still runs. The dude still steals bases, and with steals in short supply, uh, the way the modern game is played, D. Gordon, if he's going to play, still gets a lot of attention in the fantasy world. Does this mean that once the season does pick up that we shouldn't be counting on him for his usual complement of plate appearances? Yeah, mostly because, you know, they want to get a really long look at Shed Long at second base. This is a guy they were very intrigued by based on a small sample size last year. And really, Michael, to be honest with you, I'm very surprised D. Gordon is still on the roster. I thought they would do everything uh, within their power to move him, including eating a lot of his contract for 2020. Uh, and I think that was the case. I think they tried to find a, a new home for him and just couldn't move him. But, you know, actually, I think it's going to be good to have him on the roster because, one, as you say, he does offer that speed component, which is something uh, the game just does not have a lot of anymore. Also, he provides a little positional flexibility. Um, certainly, he's a second baseman. Remember, uh, D. Gordon spent an entire year, I believe, at shortstop uh, when he was with the Dodgers. I could be incorrect. And then, remember, he was a 2018 uh, opening day center fielder for the Mariners because they still had Robinson Cano. So, I think that it gives him a little roster insurance, gives them um, an opportunity to kind of move him around a little bit. You want to keep him happy. Um, I don't know how how many days a week he's going to play, and certainly if uh, if Shed Long does not work out at second base, you could easily slide D Gordon back into that position um, and not miss a beat there. So you know, 
all things considered, maybe it's going to be a good thing that he's still on the roster. All right, let's talk about the pitchers for a second here. As we were getting close to what was originally going to be opening day on March 26th, this closer situation uh, was one that was very hard for fantasy owners to figure out. So it gave you an opportunity to speculate on saves and hope that you pick the right guy, find something cheap. Uh, but there were three guys who were in this mix, uh, Matt McGill, Yoshihisa Hirano, and Sam Tuivailala. How did that look to you uh, when we were getting close to what was originally going to be spring, tr- or excuse me, opening day? And what should we expect uh, from this trio of guys when the season finally does begin? Yeah, uh, Tuivailala, and I just call him Sam at this point, yeah, Michael. Sense. It's just a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> uh, him and McGill have both been kind of dinged a little bit with some injuries, but they were. Uh, uh, nothing that was going to cause him to miss any time had the season started on time on March 26. But I really think the two guys you're going to see at the back end of the bullpen this year um, is going to be uh, Carl Edwards and um, Hirano. I think those two guys, and I can't say exactly one way or the other who's going to get the line share of save opportunities. Yeah, Hirano, I would expect Hirano, and then uh, certainly uh, uh, Carl Edwards, who... Um, we'll miss a few more bats than Hirano will, and that's certainly very appealing in the you know the back end of a game. So I would think those two guys get a shot, and the other two guys that you mentioned, uh, McGill and Sam, um, I think they would uh, kind of slide into setup roles, at least initially. Edwards could be an interesting guy. We know he had some late-inning success with the Cubs on that World Series team before uh, falling off the map uh, with the Cubs uh, over the last couple of seasons. So uh, definitely a guy who, if he gets right, could be a big-time late-inning weapon. One guy who we knew was uh, obviously not only going to be making this team but was going to be one of the key players for this team was Yusei Kikuchi. Uh, When he came over from Japan, uh, he was a guy who had a a lot of um, hype, a lot of build-up in the fantasy world that didn't totally pay out for him last year, uh, but this is a guy who has been getting even more hype this season because of uh, some increased velocity that we saw from him before spring training got shut down. You and uh, our fantasy editor, Nando DeFino, uh, teamed up on a piece about uh, Kikuchi potentially being this post-hype sleeper this year. Another guy who I just want to ask, what did you see from him this spring and how excited should we be about him when the season does start? Yeah, and you know, when I talk about Kikuchi, I talk about I look at his, he's got to be better this season. If for no other reason, then he can't be worse than he was last year. And that's, you know, that's not really a knock on him. I think, you know, these uh, pitchers that come over from Japan uh, deal with a lot on their plate in terms of uh, the acclimation period to the big leagues. Remember his dad died last year. He became a dad for the first time. He kind of got away from some of the things he did well in Japan. So I think it, you know, it was a pretty steep learning curve and he didn't always handle that very well, but the spring, We've seen a guy with a more streamlined delivery. He used to kind of have this pause at the top of his setup, his windup. Um, that was good for de- deception, I think, but I think it kind of threw off his mechanics a little bit. So his stuff's been sharp. The velocity's been up. You know, we've seen 95. Um, I seem to think he's going to be much better in year two because he has an expectation of um, just knowing what's out there for him. And when I say that, I don't just mean. Um, from a big league standpoint, although that's a huge part of this, right? But also from uh, getting acclimated to the country, these different cities, the travel routine, um, all sorts of things that you and I don't really think about. So I have to think that uh, Kikuchi will be better. You know, I can't say what that leads to in terms of an ERA or win-loss record, but, you know, I I think there's going to be some marked improvement this season. 
All right, that's the Mariners, and that's Corey Brock. You can follow him, the Athletic Seattle, the Athletic MLB, and also check him out on Twitter at Corey Brock MLB. Corey with an E. Corey, thanks so much for taking the time with us here today. Yeah, that was fun, Michael. Thank you. And that'll do it for the AL West here on the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Thanks so much to all of our AL West beat writers for joining us. Please do give all of them a follow on Twitter. We've got one episode left in our position battle miniseries. It is the NL East. Until then, I'm Michael Beller. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Baseball Podcast here at The Athletic. (laughs) 